0: Welcome to Celebration, we're glad you're here, and uh, God has done some amazing things to bring us to this place, and he's so faithful, isn't he? And so good to us, and I don't know about you, but I I feel so unbelievably undeserving this morning, just to be in this place and to know that God's, God's got my life, God's got your life. Um. Last week's little incident kind of brings new meaning to the ministry I Impact, doesn't it? I I did have an impact, not the kind we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes. But it was also one more reminder about how faithful God is. He's really good, and he's really faithful, and he watches over all of our lives. Um, I was reading in the Psalms this week, Psalm 121 says... I look to the mountains, from whence does my help come from? Where does my help come from? David says, my help is from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. How about that? That alone ought to give us pause and ought to cause us to just bow before him in worship and in praise and adoration this morning. Nothing catches God off guard. He, he's not caught by surprise by anything that's going on in your life or in my life this morning. And he's working all things together for good. So, amen. Thank you, Brandon, your magnificent team, and everybody that helped us uh, put together a celebration this morning. And thank you all for being here this morning. We're in the middle of our I Impact study. And so, if, if you have a Bible or something that allows you to look at the scriptures this morning, I want to invite you to go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, that'll be kind of a foundational passage this morning that we're going to spend some time in together. As you know, um, we've got basically a four-step process that we're going to be walking uh, you through over the next several weeks, and uh, we really believe that God has laid upon our hearts, again, as a ministry, this opportunity to see what he would do through us to draw more and more people to himself. And so I Impact is a simple little kind of structure just to kind of help you think and pray through that process. And the first step that we looked at a couple of weeks ago uh, was identify. <laughs> and that's just the process of prayerfully coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, listen, I know that you want people to know you. We know that, right? That, that's kind of uh, base one. We, we know that you want people to know you. In fact, we looked at that passage at the end of uh, John chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus, and Jesus said, Listen, I want to tell you why I've come. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. How about that? The maker of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who holds all things together by his power. When he emptied himself of all that was God in heaven and came down to walk on this planet, he had a singular mission. And he, it comes out of his own words. Just so we're sure, just so he, there was no fog, no misunderstanding as to why he came. He said, I want you to know why I've come. I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why I came. And of course now, at the end of Luke's gospel, at the beginning of the book of Acts, we, we see Jesus leave the planet And he's going to come back in that same way. But he's he's not literally on the planet anymore, as to say in physical flesh. But, But the Bible tells us that he's still doing that. He's still at work. He's still on mission. Jesus Christ is still on mission seeking to save that which was lost. And so now he's doing that work through the church, through the body of Christ, through you and through me. And so, I Impact is a way for us to join him on that mission. And so, the first process is prayerfully asking God, Lord, how can you use me? And more specifically, who? Who is it in my sphere of influence? Someone in my life, maybe in my family, or someone that I work with, or uh, someone that I hang out with and spend time with, or play music with, or whatever. Just someone, Lord, who is it that you want to reach? Someone who doesn't know you. Someone who does not know and experience what I have in Jesus Christ. That's the first step. That's identify. And we looked at that last week in the story uh, of Zacchaeus. And uh, identification has to do with seeing people and understanding people the way God sees people. Remember, we, we talk, uh, kind of talked a little bit about there are two ways to see people. Zacchaeus, you know, he, he's just, the Bible t- said that he was a small man. He was, he was small in stature, but he wanted to see Jesus. And so in Jericho, which was a busy, busy kind of um, <clears throat> oasis of a town in the middle of the Judean desert, it was always filled with crowds, especially around holidays. And so that's when Jesus was there, and this crowd was following him. And Here's this man Zacchaeus, and he wants to see Jesus, but he's too small because of the crowd. So what does he do? He gets creative, and he climbs a tree, you see. Now, when I think of scenery, especially in the state of Indiana, um, most of what we have in scenery is th- trees. Not a lot of mountains around here. Not a, lot of, you know, so, a few lakes or ponds or whatever you call them. Most of we got trees. Trees are typically scenery, you see. Zacchaeus made his way to the top of one of these trees because he wanted to see Jesus. But the remarkable thing about that detail in the story is not that Zacchaeus climbed in a tree in order that he could see Jesus. The really remarkable thing is that in the midst of all that crowd, in the press of everything that was going on, Jesus (laughs) saw Zacchaeus. He identified him. See, he saw him, not as a tree, not as scenery. But in the second way we talked about that we're supposed to look at people, and that, that's his souls. Live, breathing, living people created by God in his image, who have issues and joys and sadness and struggles and pasts and futures and hang ups. You see. Souls. <laughs> that was Zacchaeus. That's identification. Then the second process, of course, is initiation. Jesus actually called him by name and said, hey Zacchaeus, I see you up there, I want to begin a relationship with you. In fact, I'd like it to start today, why don't we have dinner at your house? That's initiation. Seeing people as God sees people. Looking for the most unlikely prospects in the most unexpected places and finding God already at work in their lives. Now, I think I told you the story." Uh, I began to tell you the story about Jackie Chang. And by the way, some of you might have thought that I said Jackie Chan. I didn't. I might have, but it's Jackie Chang. Okay, so I know the story doesn't have quite as much punch with that, but this is Jackie. And in the middle of Dallas, when I was a student down at Dallas Seminary, the Lord laid this young man into our lives. Because I had to fulfill a, a, an assignment to actually, you know, share my testimony with someone who didn't know the Lord. And so I prayed. I just asked God, Lord, who would it be? And a friend of mine gave me his name and said, You need to call this guy. Um, he, he might be your, your guy. And so I, I, I did. And that was the initiation process. I picked up the phone and I called him. An initial greeting. It wasn't anything profound. But I introduced myself to him, and uh, turns out, as I think I told you, maybe some of you weren't here. He's, he's Chinese, and so I had to leave a message first, and it was all in Chinese. So I knew he didn't know anybody in Dallas that knew English, and so but he called me back, and he said, "Mark, this is Jackie. This is Jackie Chang, and I got your message, and I would like us to meet." He needed help with English. He was in Dallas. Uh, he was already uh, a Chinese-trained cardiovascular surgeon. And he was trying to apply to get a fellowship in one of the American hospitals, but he couldn't get past all the paperwork because he couldn't write English. And so he just needed someone to help him over that hump. Can you imagine that? (laughs) So we initiated that process. The most unlikely prospects in the most unexpected places. Now, in John chapter 4, we see a very similar scene. This time we're in Samaria. I just want to read a little bit of this story and then make a few comments. Starting in the very first verse of John chapter 4. John says that the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this he left Judea and he went back once more to Galilee. So Jesus is just going from Judea on his way back to Galilee and he decides to go through Samaria. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So he came, and it's an interesting detail here that John says, to this traditional religious site. And it had enormous significance for the Jewish people of that day. This is where Jacob had given this plot of ground to his son Joseph, and there was a well there. Now if you go to Israel today, Um, there are some tour guides who will take you to what they believe is the actual place of Jacob's well. Now, it's traditional, okay? Nobody really knows. If they take you to the Sea of Galilee and say, this is the Sea of Galilee, you need to know, that's the Sea of Galilee. That has not moved. It has not changed, okay? So that's a really good thing. But Jacob's well, who knows? There's a hole in the ground. It's deep. It's old. There's some tradition, But in this account, in this story, this was the place. This was an an area, in a region that was known by the Jews, very well known, and it was highly regarded as a very significant religious place. And Jacob's well was was there, is what John tells us in verse 6. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So here is Jesus, again, the sovereign Lord of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who holds all things by the word of his power. He's tired. Because you see, he's not only fully God, fully omnipotent, fully omniscient, fully omnipresent, only present, but he's also fully man. He's human, just like you, just like me. He took on flesh. So his body is tired from a journey. He's weak. So he sits down at this well. This is life. Life going on. Life happening. Jesus just needs a break. He needs a rest. And so he's kind of putting up his feet, kind of taking a load off at this well. And it's a rugged country. And it was at this place and at this time that this encounter began. The Samaritan woman comes to draw water. Now I want you to watch this initiation. When a Samaritan woman, verse 7, came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? That's initiation. It's a question. Sounds casual, doesn't it? But it's unbelievably intentional. Because you see, this is not about literal water for Jesus. This is about spiritual water. And the other thing you need to know, especially in this whole eye impact process, is that Jesus' ministry, Jesus' mission was never about meeting His need. This was not about Jesus' need. This is about the woman's need. And it was not a physical need that Jesus had in His heart. It was something much deeper, you see. Well, Sadly, I know it's true in my own life. So much of my Christian experience, so much of my Christian life has everything to do with Jesus meeting my need. Somehow that takes on um, an, an elevated position of that's my mission. My mission in my Christian life and the Christian life for my family is that my needs be met. That something happened for me. Something be accomplished for my family, you see. The problem is, it puts a big, solid roadblock right in the middle of Jesus' mission. He said, I want to tell you why I came. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. You see. So if the focus is on meeting my need, I've already got a problem. I'm already off mission. Jesus said, because he's tired and he's thirsty. He says to this woman, will you give me a drink? But it's not because she, he's thirsty. It's because he knows that she is. That's initiation. Now the other thing I want you to see this morning to know and just observe is that this woman did not even know she had a need. And I believe that's why Jesus began with this very simple, casual initiation. A very casual question, can I have a drink? He wanted to get to the true nature of her need, which was spiritual thirst. By the way, when I called Jackie Chang, this brilliant, unbelievably, remarkably trained uh, doctor from China, I talked to him on the telephone, my weak attempts and his very broken but understandable kind of broken English, he didn't know he had a need either. I mean, he had a real felt need. He needed someone to help him over the hump in his English. But he didn't know that his real need was someone to help him learn uh, his need for a savior. Jackie Chang was a Buddhist. That's what he was. He was religious. And he was somehow going to the well of Buddha, to the well of religion, and also to the well of kind of uh, academic and material success. He didn't even know that he had a need. It was all about Jackie. And he had no idea that he needed a Savior. That he needed someone to, to fill the emptiest place of his life. Now I want to just rehearse a couple of things that the Bible says is foundational about this need, just so we're all on the same page. And just so we have some confidence and even ultimately some boldness in making our initiation first of all, God says that we all, apart from Christ, have a huge problem. We have a huge problem. problem's not poverty. Um, the problem's not sexual promiscuity. The problem's not More and more people being on welfare. The problem's not the economy. The problem's not this political chaos we seem to be finding ourselves. Those are all problems. Those are all significant, but they are not our ultimate problem. The problem is that we are separated from God because of our sin. That's what the Bible says. Here's what he says. The wages of sin is death. Death. It's the end of the road. That's a problem. And people apart from God, apart from Christ, don't even know that's their problem. And they don't know it until they've been identified. Somehow God breaks into their experience and begins to fulfill the work He started in their hearts and their lives. The other problem is we don't even have a desire to know God. The Apostle Paul also says that in Romans chapter 3. There is no one who's righteous. No one who seeks after God. No one. How about that? Left to ourselves, we are going to fulfill ourselves. Left to ourselves, we have no desire to seek after God. That's a problem. Zacchaeus was curious for sure. It caused him to climb a tree. But he wasn't genuinely seeking after God until he met Jesus. You see, sin pays a huge and heavy wage. And it's death. And that's why people are thirsty. And that's why we need to get to Jesus. First we identify, and then we initiate. A conversation, a relationship, something that opens the opportunity for God to begin His work. Now, this message that we ultimately have to bring is not something that we can deliver in and of ourselves. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not the gift of life through me. It's not the gift of life that comes through contemporary music. It's not the gift of life that comes from the ministry of the First Baptist Church of North Terre Haute. It's the gift of life that comes through the person of Jesus Christ. That's the answer. And Jesus spoke some penetrating words to his disciples and really to all of the religious people who are in earshot of him, the religious elite. And this is what he said Listen, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Did you know that? Just because you're religious, just because you're faithful, just because you come to church, or just because you give, or just because you kind of read your Bible, or you kind of stay away from certain things, that does not mean you will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's not how it works. You can honor God with your lips, and can be completely far away from Him with your hearts and the way you live your lives. This woman didn't even know that she had a need. Verse 8 of chapter 4, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, I am a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. People are going to be used to people like you not associating with them. They're already programmed to be surprised. When you make this first step of initiation, it's just long been ingrained in their minds and in their system of thinking that people like you, religious people, Christian people, people who go to church, people who dress up and drive nice cars and have families, and they all, y'all, people like you don't associate with people like them. That's why this initiation strategy is so compelling. Because Jesus removes all the barriers, sits down with her, and begins a relationship with her. (laughs) Well, this story is quite remarkable. She answers him, if you knew, or Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, ultimately, our desire is that God will work so powerfully in and amongst you as God's people that he'll do this work. He'll bring people to a desire to know him through you. He'll create a thirst in them that will be unquenchable until they meet Jesus Christ. Um, this morning I basically want to offer two invitations Jesus was the great inviter but before we get to initiation that process, the second step in the I-impact process we have to wrestle with a couple of invitations (laughs) and the first one is this you are invited to know Jesus Christ. And I am just not that naive anymore to somehow believe that in a group this size, in this comfortable and wondrous place, that there's not somebody here that, though religious, though even Christian, Has never come face to face with the reality in the person of Jesus Christ. You're you're going to all kinds of other wells out there. (laughs) Taking big drinks of everything else out there. Maybe you're on a hot pursuit of some sort of profession. Nothing wrong with that, of course. Unless it's your source of fulfillment. Maybe you're, oh, maybe someone else is out there and you're in hot pursuit of some other person. (laughs) Maybe you're going to that well. The Bible talks very clearly about that too. Maybe you're pursuing just your own self satisfaction. In a way that you know dishonors God. And the invitation for you is to the only one who can really fill your deepest needs, and that's a person, Jesus Christ. To come to Him, to know that He is the answer to your deepest needs, to come to His well. The Bible calls it repentance. It means to turn, to go the other way. You need to turn your back on all those other things that you've been pursuing to try and bring meaning and fulfillment in your life. And you need to come to Him, to Jesus Christ. It's a turning away from all other things and a turning toward Jesus. And I want you to know that if you're sitting here this morning and you're a Christian, or at least you believe you're a Christian, but you've never turned to Jesus, you've never met Him, you've never experienced the lift of His forgiveness and grace, then you don't know Him. And the invitation is for you to come to Him. Now the second invitation is for everybody else, (laughs) for all the rest of you, all the rest of us. We're so serious about I-Impact. It's fortifying. It's hopefully informing and and, and begins to permeate all of what we do and every aspect of our lives. And we want to invite more and more people to experience what we've experienced or what you've experienced in Jesus. But here's the invitation to join him. Who's already at work, always has been and continues to be reaching and saving, seeking those who are lost. It's what he does. And the invitation is to make it what you do. Um, I believe it was deliberate. And Jesus, on his way from Judea to Galilee, went through Samaria. That, that, that took a decision. It's not the shortest route. <laughs> it's not the most comfortable route. But it was a possible route. And he put himself in a place where he knew he would encounter People who didn't know him and embrace him. And I want to ask you a question. <laughs> Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take your family through Samaria in order to follow Jesus on mission? You know, it's, it's, it's not going to be the easiest route, it's not going to be the most efficient route. It's going to cost you to go this way instead of that way. But I'm asking you, the invitation is will you join Jesus and go that way? Because it's going to automatically put you in the path of people who do not know him. And that's the invitation. Now, my final question for you. Are you still thirsty? I got to thinking about this relationship that had started between Jesus and this woman. And though he needed a physical drink, as a drink of water as, as I, I, I wouldn't mind one right now either but I mean you know when it feels like to feel, need a physical drink but spiritually Jesus was not thirsty I want to ask you a question are you thirsty are you thirsty for the things of God does he have your heart? Does he have your priorities and your affections? Are you thirsting after him? David said in, Psalm, in the Psalms, he said, as the deer pants for water, that's how my soul thirsts after you. Wow. Do you know God like that? I said in the early service, the foundation service, You will never know and experience that kind of relationship with God unless you come to this well. Unless you open this book. It'll never run dry. And it doesn't mean you have to know it. It doesn't mean you have to kind of be a scholar or understand everything. It just means you have to to place your life under it. You see, it's like a fountain. It flows down over your lives. It, it, it begins to soften the, the hard places of your life. It begins to challenge some of the, the core priorities and thinkings, those things that are just kind of concrete. He, he can soften that by his word. You need to come to the fountain. You need to come under the ministry of God's word and let him begin to fulfill that, you see. And it'll make you more and more thirsty for him. Like a deer that pants for water. Oh, my soul longs for you. I thirst for you, oh God. The question is before we launch into this thing, and we kind of already have, but before you ask somebody if they need a drink, I want to ask you are you thirsty for God? Are you going to that well? and finding him faithful. (laughs) In your worship bulletin, there's a couple of things I want you to see this morning. Um, As you open it up, on the inside right panel, there's a little perforated section. It's your eye impact guide. And that's designed for you to either take home in full. You can tear it off, put it in your Bible, stick it on your fridge, put it up on your mirror, whatever. Whatever's going to help kind of keep it in front of you because that's kind of your guide through these four steps. And by the way, these are interchangeable. God could work in a lot of different ways in your life as you seek him in this, but that um, th- th- that's there for you. Um, and to pray together as a family or as a couple, all right? The second thing that's in your worship bowl is a card. You see it? I didn't, I didn't bring one up here. I should have... Here I did. Right here. It's this little piece of paper. It's your eye impact commitment card. And um, as God begins to lay these people on your heart, identify. We want you to take one of these, put in your name, your contact information, and in the lines beneath that, put the names of the individuals that you are trusting God to impact through your life, through this ministry. Okay? And then on February 5th, Sunday, February 5th, a few Sundays from now, on both services, Foundations and Celebration, we're going to have our I Impact Commitment Sunday. And you're going to bring these as a commitment to the Lord. And then we're going to compile them all in the office as a ministry team. You're going to have that. We're going to have that. And all together as a a body of Christ, we are going to bring these names before the Lord and ask him to move. And we're going to join him on mission. So take as many of these as you need. I think we have some extra out in the foyer in the Welcome Center. They'll be in your worship bulletin for the next several Sundays. But on February 5th, that is your time to make a commitment and to respond to this invitation. So Jackie Chang and I uh, meet for the very first time at Dallas Seminary. And he's in his late 30s. And um, we were able to communicate a little bit in English. Um, But he brought all his stuff. (laughs) All his paperwork. And that was our beginning. Um, And and you're not going to believe the rest of this story. But we sat down there in the, the lower level of the theological library at Dallas seminary and started this relationship of working through english see we initiated the process and that's how it started you got to come back to hear the end of the jackie chang story okay but you're going to hear it in pieces so you got to like keep coming back now here's my commitment to you. I'm going to pray for you as you reflect on these two invitations this morning. First of all, coming to Jesus Christ. I just, I just want to ask God to finish that work so that beyond a shadow of a doubt you know You're in relationship with a holy, faithful, awesome, mighty, powerful God because you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so my commitment is to pray that God finishes that work in your life. Second is I'm going to pray that God does not leave you alone until you make this commitment to follow Jesus on mission. He came to seek and to save, to save that which was lost. Isn't that what we should do as well? Um, am I supposed to pray? Okay. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are mighty to save, you are able. You have defeated the grave. You are able to do all these things. Be relentless in your pursuit of me and of us so that we would be relentless in our pursuit of you. God, I know that as a result of that, our lives will impact. Our marriages will change. Our relationship with our kids will change. Our friends. The people around us. So do that work. Do it in me. Do it in all these good people who have gathered here for worship. We ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.